better. Come on, let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Colin. Amazing job, man. Everybody excited to be here today? God is good. Amen. God is faithful. Amen. Thank you so much for journeying out. Uh, we're excited to be here today. Uh, no, it's cold outside, but it's warm in here, right? Not just uh, the atmosphere, but the love and the Spirit of God. Uh, it is warm in this place, and we're excited that you're here. Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Your grace, your mercy, your goodness, your kindness. We're so grateful today. So glad that you have afforded us this opportunity to be together, to be with you, and to be with one another. Now, God, your word's about to be preached in uh, your house, God, and I pray that it is uh, being sent out to, to open ears and open hearts, that we might receive your word. I pray now, I believe that it will accomplish everything you've sent it out to do. It cannot, will not, and shall not return unto you void. God, I pray that it lifts us, convicts us, challenges us, encourages us, and from the word today, we get our marching orders. We know how to go into our week, and here's the word of the day, how you are trying to give us better, to make us better, to show us better, and in all ways to bring us to better. Better is the operative word, and so I know that when Colin was preparing his set today, he had to sing a song that said, it will get better. God, you didn't give anybody a 2024 that you did not want to work a do a work of better in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you all help me declare, it will get better. Will get better. Amen and amen. If you're excited about that, come on, give God praise again. So, Colin, a really good job, man. Thank God for you again today. Obviously, tomorrow, we're not preaching necessarily on Dr. King, but we know that we observe uh, uh, Dr. King today, tomorrow, and uh, many of you will have the day off and an opportunity to go and do celebration in the way uh, that you deem best, some reflection. If you looked at the email last week, there were some suggestions. Do we have a picture of Dr. King that we can display out there? Not yet. Well, don't worry about it because we're going to move on. I do want to read this. There's several books, and you can go out and uh, get some of these. Stride Toward Freedom, Where Do I Go From Here? These are from Neil Miller's personal library. I See the Promised Land, uh, a book on Malcolm and Martin. But I want to read uh, this uh, quote from Let the Trumpet Sound, A Life of Martin Luther King. Uh, with awakened resolution, he delivered a spirited address at the SCLC, Southern Leadership uh, Conference, September convention in Birmingham, where Fred Shuttleworth was a directing a, directing a Negro boycott uh, of white merchants. As King spoke, a 200-pound white youth, a self-styled Nazi, leaped on the stage and punched him in the mouth. Reeling under the boy's slashing fist, King made no effort to defend himself. At last, the police and several other SELC's delegates subdued the assailant, but King asked that he be allowed to sit back down. The system that we live under creates people such as this youth, King remarked after the meeting. I'm not interested in pressing charges. I'm interested in changing the kind of system 
that produces this kind of man. We're still working on that today in an election year. Tensions are high, and we're asking God that he would lead us to peace. Amen? Amen. So there's a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, you can get this impressive list of books after church, and I pray that everybody has plans to do something in regard to this milestone. Uh, if nothing else, then spending some time in reflecting on how we can contribute to a society that God wants to be better and give our contribution. Do me a favor while you're here. Lift your cup up before the Lord. And would you humbly say, fill my cup, Lord, fill my cup, Lord. and let it overflow. I want you to know that it's important to me that you understand before I preach to you today, this is real talk in 2024. This is the first time I've had to tell you this. I can't wait to tell you this. If you don't dial in on anything else, real talk. Hey, I love you. That's real talk. All right. Real talk. Real talk. Uh, excited today to continue uh, our sermon series. Pastor Eric started last week uh, on invitation. It's important that we understand uh, that the very, the very blessing of a new year, uh, we should see as God's uh, special invitation to us. Not everybody, check this out, got invited to 2024. We know that, right? Some people got invited to 2023, uh, but did not get an invitation to 2024. And so you and I have, have gotten a special invitation from God to get to 2024. And we want to make good on God's grace and God's invitation. And is there perhaps a chance that we're so in love with 2023 and 2022 and 2021 and what uh, we have become through those years that we'll miss the essence of the invitation? Why, in fact, did God give us this new year what does God want to show us? What does God want to do? And I want to urge you very early in the new year, uh, let God grow in 2024. Now, that's obviously an oxymoron. God cannot get any bigger. Uh, he is who he is. But we can allow God to show us great and wonderful things. One of the things, and I invite you to come and pray with us at 6 o'clock a.m. This is this tomorrow will start our third week. We've, we're two, have two weeks under our belt, 10 sessions. The first five sessions, we took five days at 6 o'clock in the morning and just reflected on who God is. Looking back, that because we understand that God cannot change whoever God has been. That's who God has to be in the future. So I'll ask you a quick question. Uh, does anybody look in their past and see the faithfulness of God? Anybody see that? Does anybody look back there and see the goodness of God? Anybody look back there and see a just God who has brought you to the carpet, called you to the carpet? Uh, anybody see, like the writer, so this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. Anybody discover this? It's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Anybody see that in God? Then God has to be more of that in the future. We took a week and just reflected on who God is. And then we took the last week. As we took the first week to look at God, we took the last week and asked God to look back at us. God, would you look back at us? If you have something for us in 2024, 
that's amazing. We don't want to be the reason that we don't get it. We don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot. So we took a week just to repent before the Lord. And tomorrow at 6 a.m., uh, we'll, we'll do a week of rededication and revival and renewal. So ask you guys to come and join us. So back to uh, this topic of invitation and just why did God give us 2024? It's cool to contemplate that. Uh, the gift of a new year is too big of a gift for me to run into it like I got this handle. Me to run into it like, oh, I got March, I got April, I got May. But maybe we should stop and look at the merit of the invitation. God, what do you want to show us this year? 365 days is too big for me to navigate. I'm going to give it right back to you. And so as much as you've been kind and gracious and, and grateful to give me this year, I want to invite you right back into it. In fact, I want to invite you to take it back. God, would you take the year back and would you just lead and guide me through it? So there's an invitation and there's a word from the Lord in Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 31, because as a church, We've invited everybody to contemplate giving more. We've invited everybody to contemplate coming more. We have, like, uh, rallied the troops. We have said, hey, here's our circumstance. Here's our situation as a church. You heard Pastor Eric say, I'm not saying we're closing our doors tomorrow, but I'm saying uh, next year, I don't know. And so we all have responded to that, and it's been a positive response. But what about a new year? There should be something for all of us in the new year. So not just to make common ground better, but there should be evidence of this invitation in your home. There should be evidence of this invitation in your life that something should get back to you. You should get to take something home that your children should be better, your finances should be better, their, your psyche should be better, your continence should be better. How do we get to that? And there's an answer for that in the word of God in Mark chapter 10. Everybody join me in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. We're going to contemplate the word of the Lord for just a few minutes. And then hopefully when we leave, everybody will have the recipe for better. The word of the Lord says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. But anyway, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Is that the list? The teacher declared. All of these, he said, I have kept since I was a boy. Check, check, check. Check. I got that. Ah, you got that. Okay. Well, let's, what about this? Jesus looked at him and said, but there's still one thing. Go and sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. We're going to talk today about the treasure exchange. Then come and follow me. And then at this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciple, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This is the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is 
uh, to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Then the disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, well then, whoa, who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible. This is a place to shout here at Common Ground Northeast, but not with God. (laughs) With God, somebody celebrate with me, all things are possible. Then Peter spoke up. Here's the crux of what we'll spend our time today. But we have left everything to follow you. Matthew says it like this, 1927. Peter answered him and said, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will not will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Here's the question for you, Common Ground. Have you ever gotten more than you expected? Or perhaps much more than you expected? We all buy search, right? Because there are two mints in one, right? (laughs) Some of us are surprised to know that that gum is loaded. Have you ever had a big choice to make and decided that you'd hold on to the bird in your hand rather than try to secure the bird in the bush? Conversely, have you ever decided to risk it all and be be released of what you had in your hand for the chance, the maybe, the possibility that more might come after. Have you ever decided to sow or to plant that which you found currently valuable and hold in high regard for the opportunity, church, that it might be greater later? It is certainly a risk to sow, but it is scripturally proven to be the only way to reap. That's the paradox. There's the tension, the situation, or as we will discover, the invitation, the invitation brings us all to tension. We have a decision to make, and it's not an easy one. There is no safe ground we must choose. It reminds me of Monty Hall. You know who Monty Hall is, right? Do we have a picture of Monty Hall? One of my favorite shows when I was a kid called Let's Make a Deal. Now, I know if you are a Let's Make a Deal fan now, you on the Wayne Brady train. (laughs) Yeah, there it is. (laughs) That's more than I expected. See, look look at God. Thank you, Colin. I didn't tell him to get the music. Look at God giving me more than I expected. (laughs) I just sent the picture. Colin got the music. So, so the, the key about this, this game show was uh, I loved it because it always brought the contestant to attention. And I love that there's a curtain in it because at some point, in order to be successful, the, the, the contestant had to believe that there was something behind the curtain that was potentially more valuable than what I could see, what I was holding in my hand. And so it was the ultimate 
tension of, do you want to keep what you have or do you want what's behind the curtain? You can't see what's behind the curtain. It is the ultimate faith. And so, and so it really came down to when you and I get here is how much do we believe in the person that's asking? And so for a few minutes, I want to just talk about this. Let's make a deal. The treasure exchange. What's behind the curtain, Monty Hall? And you and I must ask God when he brings us to this crossroad, when he brings us to this tension, when he asks us to sow beyond what we're comfortable, when he asks us to do what is not in our wheelhouse, what we're not used to doing, God, I need to know what's behind your invitation that I do not see. What are you bringing me to that I don't understand? What's in 2024? That's different than 2023 because now you're asking for more. Now common ground needs more. It needs, it needs, it needs more of my time, more of my treasure, more of my invitation. And, and I'm not sure I'm cool with that. But I would be if I could see that the exchange would be worth it. But now you're asking me to do it and I can't see what's behind the curtain. So now you and I are in the tension in our text today. We meet a man who, like many of us, is trying to make some things happen for himself. You and I are savvy. We're out there trying to make it happen. As we meet him, he's in a fairly good position. By many measurable standards, he has a pretty good hand. You know the card reference. My hand is strong. His hand, by worldly measures, is strong. He has some birds in his hand. But he wants more. And there's nothing wrong with what he wants. He wants what I want. He wants what I assume you want. He wants to know, how can I get eternal life? Common ground, do you want eternal life? Me too. I want to know that too. God, is there something I should be exchanging in the now to secure my then, to secure my eternal life? God, I wouldn't want to live here and not know what it takes to live there. So if there's something, make me aware. So he wants church to come to Jesus and he wants to make a deal. Let me give you a couple nuggets before I give you my big point. The Bible says Jesus started on his way. He meets this man and the man falls to his knees. And here's, here's interesting because as he bowed down, some, some uh, commentaries would suggest that as he bowed down in front of Jesus, the mere closeness of that relationship made him closer to salvation than anything he could do. He was in the humble posture. But also they conclude that he didn't want Jesus to be his savior. He just wanted Jesus to show him how he could be his own savior. Here's a few things to note. Like you in January prayer, he's in a good prayer posture because he's on church, his knees. And you and I should put in some knee work in early in 2024 because we want God to bless us. He's in the good prayer posture. He's also asking the right person. He is inquiring church of the Lord. 
But he asked the right person a question with the answer already in his mind. He comes to Jesus not looking for answers. He's merely looking for agreement. But when you and I come to God, we must ask God and be open to what God says back to us. We cannot bring our conclusions to God. We must come to God open and empty and asking God to fill us up. Jesus asked him, why do you call me good? There's no one good except the Father. And then Jesus, uh, there's this, this list of commandments that are, that, are, that are read out. You should not murder. You should not commit adultery. Don't steal and don't give false witness and don't defraud people and honor your father and your mother. And he declares that all of these have I kept. Just a few points before I get to my big one for my youth up. Being a Jew, this man knew the commandments. And Jesus' church was careful to quote to him only those commands from what is often called the second table of the law. And those address how you and I treat one another because you are no more a Christian than the way you treat people. And each one of those commands is pure and just and good, and we'd be better if we lived by those commands. But it is doubtful that he kept them all. Paul, when writing in Philippians chapter 3, said that he thought he had kept all the commands as a religious Jew. He wrote of this thinking at the time that he was concerning the righteousness which is in the law. He thought he was blameless. Yet on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave us the real meaning of the law. It goes to the heart, not just to the actions. You can have a heart filled with adultery even if you don't commit it. A heart that is filled with murder even if you don't do it. Am I resonating with anybody? A heart that steals even if you never steal. God looks at the heart and not the actions. And there is no way that I have kept or that I can keep all the laws. If I could, I would not need a savior. So it's doubtful, bro, that you really did that. And the fact that you think you did really shows us where your heart is. And Jesus looked at him. Now I'm turning the corner toward home. And he loved him. That's so essential. If I had time, I would preach about, bro, you wrong, you off. You bad, you out there, you're self-righteous, but I love you. <laughs> but in love, we correct each other. In love, we give each other the truth. In love, we bring one another back to consciousness. In love, we bring one another back to reality. And so the Bible says that Jesus did not diss him, did not dog him, but told him the truth through love. He says, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And here, church, is the invitation. It is the invitation to a sort of spiritual vulnerability. Jesus gives him an invitation to vulnerability. And in 2024, as you start the year, I am sure that Jesus is giving you an invitation to vulnerability. I'm inviting you to experience more of me. 
for everybody that thought I was good in 23 and everybody that thought they knew me in 2022. I'm bigger than what you know. I'm more than what you understand. And if you would allow me to bring you to a place of vulnerability, if you would allow me to bring you to a place of pain, if you would allow me to try you in ways you've never been tried before, if you would allow me to, to, to bring you to a situation you've never been in before, then you're also simultaneously allowing me, you're taking the deal to show you things I've never been able to show you before. To show you power that I have that you haven't seen yet. To show you graces, to show you mercies, to show you blessings, to show you doors open that you've never experienced before. Do I have anybody at Common Ground that will take the deal? Will you take the deal? I'm more than what you know. But you got to agree to let me bring you to a place where I can show you that. Is there anybody in common ground that will take the deal in 2024? What is an invitation? It is a written or verbal request inviting someone to go somewhere or to do something. And in 2024, I believe God is inviting common ground to go to a place of vulnerability where we've never been before. Go and do something. Stretch out. Minister to a, a group of people we've never ministered before. We didn't see ourselves that way. But we're letting God take us into uncharted territory. It is a request, a call, if you will, a bidding or a summons. How do I get you, says Jesus, to a place, a circumstance, a position where I am all you have? How do I get you there? I want to be all you have. I want to be the, your best plan. I want to be your plan A and your plan B. But it's hard to get you there. How can I get you to a place where I am all you're depending on? And I want to be clear here that this person's trust, and, and many people will say theologians and, and, and the many commentaries that I read, it wasn't his riches. Let's be clear, there's no sin in being rich. It's cool to be rich. We talked yesterday that a man fell among thieves and they robbed him. And they beat him and he was left for dead. And then another man, the priest came and the Levite, and they didn't help him. But another man came and the Bible says that he lifted him up and put him on his own donkey. You can't help him if you don't have a donkey. It's good to have a donkey. Thank God for the donkey. Am I talking to anybody? Praise the Lord for the donkey. Because you can't carry him. So bless God for people who have a donkey. What's the problem in the text? Some people have a donkey and won't make it available to God. That's the problem? It's not riches. It's those who trust in riches. That's the issue? What did the guy say? I've been rich and I've been poor. Rich is better. <laughs> it's no sin. Don't want you to hear me say that. The problem is that you trust in it. And because of it, I can't bring you to vulnerability. That's the issue in the text. There are rich and vulnerable people. So here's the issue. It is economic vitality versus spiritual vulnerability. It is a power vitality because everybody's thinking it's not economic. Some people think it's power and position. It is power vitality 
versus spiritual vulnerability. Some people's thing is not money or power. It is education. It's what I know. It is an educational vitality versus a spiritual vulnerability. Some people's is a success vitality versus spiritual vulnerability. Some people is, uh, uh, where I came from, it is uh, a tradition vitality. This, we've always done it this way. Most is a spiritual vulnerable. God's like, how do I get you out of your tradition so that I can make you vulnerable? You never risk. You never get outside of this. I can't get to you. I can't show you more. I can't open doors for you because you never risk anything. You never take the deal. And so here's the problem. You never let me become bigger as your God. I can't show you any more power because you never get to vulnerability. Sometimes God can work through our vitality and bring us to vulnerability, but more often God finds it necessary to strip us of our vitality to bring us to a place of vulnerability. I got to get you naked. I got to break you down. I got to break you so I can make you and make you more. Y'all remember the $6 million man, right? We can put him back together. We can make him better. <laughs> anyway, I'm showing my age. <laughs> At this, the man's face fell. He went his way sad because he had great wealth. And what's more important, he believed in his wealth. He trusted his wealth. Jesus looked around at the disciples and said, this is hard. This is my dilemma. When I want to give somebody more, they often believe more in what they have and what I have given them than in what I want to give them. I wish I was preaching to somebody. That sometimes I bless people and they believe more in the level and the way I've blessed them than in the way I want to bless them further. So what's his sin? What's his sin? What's his real sin? His real sin, church, is he believes more in what he has than what I have for him. That's his problem. It's an invitation to promotion. And everybody can be promoted no matter what you have. It doesn't matter where you start at 2024. That ain't it. You have not arrived. What did the Apostle Paul say? I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, no matter where I'm starting from, I got to keep moving in God. I got to go forward. Let me finish it like this. So then Peter says, okay, well, that's cool because that's him. (laughs) That's his problem. If he won't, that's him. But I got a problem myself. Because I'm not like him, I gave up everything to follow him. Okay, Jesus, whenever you get finished talking about him, could we talk about him? <laughs> All right, that's cool, that's cool. He, he, he missed it. But my problem is, I didn't do what he did. And he's bawling and I'm not. And I'm like, what, what, what about us who gave up everything? In 2024, yes, Common Ground needs you to give more money. We need you to come more. We need you to get in the house church. We need you to join the ministry because it's, you know, we, we, you know, we, we got a work to do. 
But what about, it's not all for common ground. We want to be a light in this community because you heard me say they're picking up black bodies all around us. So, so now we got to be serious, more serious than we ever have been. I know we were serious, but now they're picking up black bodies all around us. So now all bets are off. We have to be the church. That's the light in the community. But it should also bless your house. There should also be something that you take home. And Peter's like, what about that? So really, where I come from, this is a call out, right? This is, this is now I'm calling you to the carpet because I gave up everything to follow you, right? And in this way, Peter's calling Jesus out. But Jesus good is good to it. Uh, he said, oh, oh, no, hold up, hold up. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel, which also says sometimes, hear me, that's what it takes. Sometimes we do get the all or nothing proposition. We'll fail to receive a hundred times that there will be blessings in this present age and in the age to come, eternal life. Let me finish like this. What Jesus asked him, the three components of the exchange were time, treasure, and talent. As pastoring for over 20 years, I know that all of us have time, treasure, and talent even if we don't think much of it. There are a group of people who will give all the treasure they have as long as you don't ask them for any time. I've pastored those people. Pastor, I ain't coming, but I'll send a check. Oh, pastor, that's what y'all doing? Oh, yeah, let me write. I'll help. Now, pastor, don't ask me to show up. I ain't got time for that. I'm doing this. There are a group of people who, like Roy Etta, was sick and had the flu, but we needed to clean the church. And I asked Roy Etta, would you, could you help? And she said, no, Pastor, I had the flu. I was like, cool, Roy Etta, I'll call somebody else. And 10 minutes later, Roy Etta walked in the door. I'm like, I thought you had the flu. She's like, yeah, man, but let me say this. This is my church. I love it. Pastor, I don't have any money. I can't give the church any money, but I do have time, Right. So I have a picture, Royal is dead now, of Royal cleaning a ceiling fan, just wanting to give the church her time. But Jesus, so people, if you got treasure, I can use time and talent to get my treasure back. But if you want my time and talent, that's cool as long as you don't trust my treasure. But Jesus asked for treasure and time, which creates the tension because he wants everything. He asked for all. Man, if you take my treasure, I'm cool, because just leave my time alone, I can go make my treasure back. If you take my time, I'll give you all my time as long as you don't touch my treasure. But if you want my treasure and my time, now you got me out here naked. Now you got me, you ever heard this, you got me messed up. Now you got me messed up. I don't have a way to get my treasure back. So you really want everything? 
And Jesus says, yeah, that's the deal. That's the deal. Everything. But he offers it with something else in mind. I've been asked to give everything. I'm done. Uh, I remember uh, 2006 and 7, I owned Creative Painting Services. I'm done. And my business did really well. Uh, made six figures, man. You know, just painting people stuff. Ivy Tech was my customers. I made six figures. At the end of 06, Fred Robinson died. I took over to Healing Place Church. We were struggling, man. And in 07, I did well. I made more than 06. But I had this, this thing, this pastoring, this church, and it was struggling. And I knew one thing, for it to live and work and make it, it was going to have to be somebody's job. Somebody was going to have to say, this is my job. Except one problem, this thing couldn't pay anybody. So in 07, I made six figures. In 08, I think I did my taxes, I made somewhere between twenty-five dollars and $30,000. Somebody had to go make this their job. I remember I had a car, a 1994 Subaru Legacy. I had the money to buy S80 Volvo. I didn't buy it. And I put that money into the church. We struggled for years. I drove the raggediest car that anybody could drive. A kid hit my car in the parking lot of North Central High School, and he got out all just like, man, I'm so sorry he was hurting. I'm like, bro, like, look at my car, man. Son, don't worry. I'm like, son, don't worry about it, man. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm like, man, just keep living, man. You're going to be all right. I don't even worry about it. I didn't turn it in because you couldn't tell he hit it, right? And all that was cool because it didn't look good. I remember picking Keon up. One parent called, said, Pastor, my son, I don't have a way to get my son to school. Could you get it? I went and got Keon from school. And Keon had a speech impediment. And I'm not making fun of Keon. But he talked in a really high voice. And he recognized me, did all the thing. Hey, man, I'm here to sign this kid out of school or whatever. So Keon's coming out. And he looks at my car. And he's in the third grade, and he can't believe he got a ride in this car. <laughs> and he says, Pastor, that's your car? That's your car? That's your car? I'm like, yeah, man, my ride's sharp, ain't it? No, man. <laughs> he didn't want to get in my car. That didn't bother me. Uh, but the day First Baptist Church of Bridgeport got a new pastor and asked me to come out and encourage the church, and Laurie was driving, and I'm thinking, like, how am I going to encourage these people? How am I going to tell them, don't worry about small beginnings. Like, be encouraged. Y'all do have something. It don't take a whole lot. Like, I'm trying to get this message framed in my spirit. But it started raining really hard. And the defrost didn't work. So Laurie literally started crying, like, man, this, this, this too much right here. So I had a conversation with God, like, hey, man, like, I'll go, I'll say, I'll do, I'll encourage. But at the bare minimum, 
Like, I got to be able to get there. I, like, almost didn't get there this time. And, man, the next week we drove that car up to it. And the churches, we're we doing good, man, and nobody's tripping. And my wife's mother said to me, the Lord told me to buy y'all a car. And she says, but not any car. I'm like, will it have defrost? <laughs> will it keep Laurie from crying? <laughs> that's, that, that's the only car I want. She says, no, go get that Lexus that I saw over there. I'm going to buy y'all that car. Because nobody who has left father or mother or sister or brother for my sake and the gospel. Man, I'm going to bless you. It won't come when you want it. So in 2024, like, man, I took the deal on the car. I took the deal. And behind the curtain, man, was, was some pretty good stuff. I've also subsequently since then have had people say to me, man, you don't have that problem because I'm your friend and I own a dealership. They're like, that's somebody else's problem, Kenneth, but that's not yours because we're friends and I own the dealership. So the white truck I drove, he just said, hey, man, all I need you to do is just come pick out a truck. Just walk on my lot and pick out a truck. And the one you pick out, that's yours. And the black truck I drive, the same deal. Because I went through a season, though, where we gave all. What's the point? In 2024, God wants to make a deal. And he wants to bring you to vulnerability. And the deal is for everybody, regardless of what you have, because whatever you have in 2024, if you're the richest person in the room, God is saying, yeah, but that ain't all I have for you. And if you'll allow me to bring you to vulnerability, I'll bless you. Come on, everybody. Let's give God praise for his riches. I want to pray. Father, you know, you know what 2024 holds. Now, I believe you're going to bless Common Ground Northeast. We all love it. We all want to see it be here. But in 2024, it's bigger than Common Ground Northeast. What are you trying to show all of us also individually? Colin said, it will get better. I believe you told Colin to sing that song today. Because when we were in Preaching Collective, we discovered that everything can't be for common ground northeast. You want to bless all of us individually. Now, God, I know that better has a component to it. It has an unknown variable to it. It is whether or not the real better brings us to vulnerability so you can show us more and different. Thank you for a donkey. But that's not all you have for us. Thank you that the invitation is for everybody who will hear it and who will heed it. The invitation to give you our all so that you can in turn give us your all. This we believe you for in 2024 
I pray everybody at Common Granera on Northeast will take the deal. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.